Good morning, everybody. It's good to see everybody today. And so for those visitors who are visiting with us, my name is David Fielding, and I am not the senior pastor of Lake Bible Church. Senior Jim Andrews is, senior pastor Jim Andrews is. And uh, he has given me the privilege to uh, accompany in this February mission celebration month. And so again, if you're visitors, typically we teach a book of the Bible. Pastor Jim is teaching through the gospel of John. And uh, we take a break in February to give four sermons that kind of target a theme that our mission committee uh, came up with. And this year's theme is preparing for Jesus. Preparing for Jesus. You could even add preparing for Jesus' return. And some of you are, are new to the faith, uh, like the young lady or the lady who got baptized here just a moment ago. Uh, some are just visiting and don't don't really have a faith. Uh, but primarily my message today will be for those dear Christians who have given their lives to Jesus and are realizing and recognizing that his return is closer than it once was. We're not going to get in a frenzy about dates or times. The Bible warns us against that, but it is important that we be reminded, hence the theme of this mission, that he is coming back. And we want to live our lives. There are many passages of scripture that admonish us to live our lives as if he could come back today. And so Pastor Jim, in just brief overview, uh, spoke from the gospel of Matthew in chapter 6 and said, kind of get your priorities in line with the kingdom of heaven in that reality that Jesus is coming back. And now I'm going to kind of take just a branch from that overarching theme of getting your priorities in line, and I'm going to talk about your time. Your time. And I chose that first word intentionally. For much of the message, I'm going to be challenging that first word, your time. Think about that. Think about your time, how you think about your time how you manage your time, how you spend your time. But really, all our time belongs to God. So without further ado, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to plunge in together with that theme in mind. Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus, and we have witnessed somebody profess their faith in you, and that encourages us and reminds us of when we put our faith in you. For some, it was 10 months ago. For some, it was 10 years ago. For some, it was 60 years ago. But it does not matter because all of our time are in your hands, Lord. And Father, when we die, the 80 years we get, the 40 years we get, the 96 years we get will be but a breath. And we'll have all eternity to rejoice in you. And Lord, as we live this life as Christians who have given our lives to you, we pray that we would entrust our time to you. For it is too often easy to give our life to you, but then in parts, like time, remain sovereign, remain king or queen over our schedule. We pray that your spirit would use your word and uh, my words as well, accompany your word to help people view their time in light of the fact that it belongs to you. In Jesus' name, amen. How you spend your time is how you spend your life. 
and there are no refunds. Let us live or continue to learn to live like all our time belongs to God. Let us live like he cares how we spend it. Let us live like he is coming back. In the Bible, we are taught that there are two realities that the Christian lives in. The one we are born into and the one we must be born again to enter. The first reality is a fallen reality. It is a reality that begins with tears and blood and often ends the same way. It is a reality where self is king and Satan is prince. It is a reality where our sin shackles us and death awaits us. It is a reality without lasting hope. In this fallen reality, we easily fall prey to illusion and self-deception, believing in things, ideas, and people that give us a false sense of hope. It is in this reality, or excuse me, Attempt to, attempting that false sense of hope attempts to soothe the gnawing in our souls that something just isn't quite right. We're all born into that reality. We're all familiar with that. In this reality, we believe time is our own. The second reality for the Christian is a redeemed reality. It is a reality which is entered into through blood and tears, not of our own. It is a reality Christ is king and Satan is defeated. It is a reality where our sins are forgiven and we are freed from their power and where death lays conquered by our risen Lord. It is a reality of eternal hope. In this reality called the kingdom of heaven, we are brought away from our self-deceptions and worldly illusions into life-giving truth. In this reality, our soul's hunger is filled With the bread of life, it is in this reality that all our time belongs to God. And both in Pastor Jim's message of last week in Matthew 6 and in my message, which will be from Ephesians chapter 5, which we'll go to in a moment. There is one main theme being kind of woven through. Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5 is picking up on what Jesus picked up on and and, and kind of initiated Don't live as if you don't know God. See, the Gentiles in the context of Matthew 6 is people, not just people who biologically are not Jewish, but spiritually who are estranged from a relationship with God. Everybody who doesn't know God through Christ is a Gentile in that context. And what does everybody spend their life doing? And Matthew 6, better food, better shelter, And better clothing. Let's talk about that for 15 or 20 seconds. We're going to talk about time management in the kingdom of heaven perspective. In contrast with time management in the worldly perspective. Why is it that most of us are anxious about our children getting a good education? Is it because deep inside we value the inherent uh, uh, worth of learning? Or because we want them to get a, a good job? Why is it that we want them to get a good job? Because we want them to make a good income and be financially independent. Why is it we want them to be financially independent? So they can have better food, better clothes, and better shelter. And Jesus probes through all of that meandering with one simple rhetorical question. Is not life more than food? 
That's Matthew 6. Pastor Jim teased that out. Now the Apostle Paul is going to laser focus in on time. You've heard the two put together, have you not? Time is money. Right? Y'all still with me this morning? Time is money. So what Jesus does is he says, you know the first, you know the first sermon he preached right in Matthew, right? There's nine words. You ready for it? Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. There's a new reality, the author of reality in its ultimate sense, and the king is standing before you. Return to me, change the way of thinking about reality as you know it, where it's not reduced to the pursuit of better food, better clothes, and better shelter. So the apostle Paul picks up on a theme and he says, let me talk to you about your time. And so let's read that now. Ephesians 5, verse 15. He says this. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Some translations will say, redeeming the time. Because the days are evil. We talked about these two realities. One is a fallen reality and one is a redeemed reality. We're all born into the fallen reality. If you're a Christian, and the bulk of my message is to you, dear Christian, you have been born again into the redeemed reality. In the letter to the Ephesian Christian church, Paul spends a big section of that sixth chapter letter telling them whose they are. Telling them they belong to the king. Telling them they've been forgiven. Just read Ephesians 1 when you go home. Many of you will not do that, but let me give you a quick summary. In the first 14 verses, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit are mentioned 39 times. What is Paul wanting to drive home to the Ephesian Christian and to Lake Bible Church Christian? That you belong to someone else. And that someone else is good. Amen. Thank you, Aloha. Appreciate that. She's the only one here with me. I I appreciate that. She's the only one listening. Um, That was very encouraging. You belong to someone else. Now, let's just tease that out for 20 to 30 seconds. I want you to stop any anticipation of what I'm going to say. And you can't lie because you're not even going to talk. So you don't have to worry about that. Don't lie. Does it comfort you or conflict you to belong to somebody other than yourself? Does it comfort you to know that you actually belong? It, 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 uh, Jim Twing, I, I don't know if he's up there, but he, 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 he reminded me through his teaching at the Northwest Bible Training Center, which we both actually teach at, that he reminded them. He said, this is not mere poetry. I'm actually sharing with you the words of God. Now, I love poetic, poetic, rhythm, rhythmic cadence and all that English language and orators can do. And you know what Paul says, if there's no love accompanying and with no power accompanying, it's just like a a sounding gong and just a nudge. That's what you've heard. Even if you're like, ooh, Dave sound good today. It's just nothing. If it's not accompanied with truth that is wrought in the word of God. God's word is telling you Genesis to Revelation, Matthew 6 last week, Ephesians 5 and Ephesians 1. You don't belong to yourself, dear Christian. Does that comfort you? 
All right. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it does. Because then he's going to press in and he's going to say this. I'll read. I'm going to, the way I'm going to do it is Ephesians 5 verse 15, 16, and 17 will be my primary texts. But as you can see, I'm alluding to other texts because the theme is all our time belongs to God. Live like he cares how you spend it. Live like he's coming back. You understand that? So we're going to be alluding to other texts that, that highlight that reality. Okay? And so Ephesians 5, we read, I'm not going to finish 16 and 17 right now. I'm going to go back to chapter 4, verse 17 in Ephesians. He says this. This is just, it sounds almost like echoing Jesus in Matthew uh, 5 through 7. He says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. Does that sound familiar? Did Jesus not say that in the longest sermon he preached, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 6, 7? Don't live like you don't belong to God. No longer, and what's he saying about time? We're coming back. You think I lost my point? I have not lost my point. All your time belongs to God. Live like he cares how you spend it. I love to sing praises to Jesus and tell him and remind him that I've given him my life. Oh, and I'm very grateful that I've given him my sins because there were many and there still are coming up and sneaking around. As Pastor Jim says, a lot of mud in the bottom of my bucket, my soul bucket. And it just has circumstances to stir it up. And then I realize how far I've yet to still go. Can I get an amen there? Okay, because I was, I was getting one and I'm in the wrong church. That so we, I, I came to the perfection church and, and I knew that I wouldn't be, be welcome there. So I was just wondering, okay, we still together. So, so it is wonderful to be reminded of God's grace to you and forgiveness. But when, and I'm using Candace Tepper now because I like to be organic and real. She said, but the Lord woke me up at 4.30 this morning and wanted to talk. Now I'm not so sure if I'm comforted by belonging to somebody. 4.30 is often awful early. Jesus, I know you don't sleep in heaven, but, but I like to sleep and 4.30 is awful early. So I'm not quite sure if she woke up with hands raised and singing Amazing Grace. She might have woke up and rubbed her eyes and said, Lord, is that you? You sure you want to pray right now? It's dark outside. And he told her this. He told her this. I, he didn't sound like David Fielding. He says, your time belongs to me. Make the best of it. And see, uh, my wife was, was driving in and, and Lori Sheffield would be able to chastise me and it's fun. It's always good to include people. Don't feel left out if you're not included. But, but my wife, you know, I'm bringing my, my family to church now. And of course, that was a no-no because my time was my time. And I need to get ready for church. I need to be ready. I have a way to manage myself and it doesn't include you or the kids. I, I need to be spiritual. And so, and, 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 and you, and you guys are going to get in the way. And, 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 and I'm getting too, I'm getting, I'm going to be filled with love. Not, not for you though, for other people. I got to get ready. And, and so that was five, six years of marriage. A few months ago, the Lord says, uh, your time doesn't belong to you. You're going to need to get up early and pray and get ready and then get them kids up and make them waffles and help your family come into church. And then I said, oh, okay, we'll do that, Lord, but never when I preach. Because, look, I got to get the suit on. I got to watch a video on how to learn how to tie the tie. Never when I preach. That's off limits, Lord. That's too far. You've gone too far with your truth. 
Oh, I know you don't talk like me and you're not as dramatic. You've said it to Jesus. You've said it to Jesus. You've gone too far, Lord, with your truth. Not this time. This for me and my babies. Not this time. I got a meeting at work. You know, I'm trying to climb that ladder. Oh, not this time. This is my relaxed time, Jesus. And he says, your time is mine because you belong to me. It's both comforting and conflicting. Are we, are we, we, we listening now? We, we together now? All right, so we're going to unpack it a little bit now because we got about two, three hours. So we're just going to unpack that slow. See, your time, I'm, trying to tell, I'm trying to see if you're listening. Your time, your time does not belong to you. We'll see if we will go all the way. Really, I'm just trying to make you spiritually mature. That's all I'm trying to do. So uh, we're going to unpack it. We're going to frame it in this way. We're going to start off by complimenting you. Oh, no, no, not flattering you complimenting you dear christian for those who are in the audience today who do not yet know christ i will address you specifically we're glad you're here we love you we care about you we want you to know him but i'm going to address you specifically at the end i'm speaking to you dear christian i'm going to compliment you for a couple of minutes biblically rooted encouragement with how you've been spending your time and you can just enjoy that if it is appropriate. Then we're going to talk about the conflict. Where we have to do things. That aren't necessarily spiritual. You do have to brush your teeth. It's important. You do got to make those waffles if you got kids. And you do got to go to work. You got to sit in traffic if you live like I live. You know on 217. As I live on 217. That's so much traffic. Um, you, you, there are things you got to go to Costco. You got to buy buy that paper products. You know who knows? Get a craze. They'd be out again. You 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 do have to do things that people who have not yet entered into the redeemed reality do. You have to spend your time in ways that could be conflicted with. Are you making the best use of it by buying paper towels? Is that Jesus really proud of me for that? Getting that sale? We're going to talk about that. And then we're going to move into the confrontation. And I've alluded to that already. Where you just have no business getting stuck. Spending time that doesn't belong to you. Doing what you're doing. You understand? Then we're going to ease on out with the assurance. And then we're going to preach the gospel and pray. You guys with me? We can do that about two hours. We can get that all done, can't we? Okay. Let's move on. Let's move on to the compliment. I, I call you dear Christian, not because, I mean, sometimes you can be a wannabe and it's okay, right? I, you know, when you look at the Apostle John, you can want to be like him, can't you? He talks a lot like that. Dear Christian, dearly beloved. <laughs> so I'm just being a wannabe right now, but, but, but he has this paternal, loving, affection tone. And I want, I, I, when you preach truth that convicts, you can still do it in a way that lets the people know you care. Because Jesus Christ cares about you, even though he'll convict you. I don't stand here above contradiction. I preach this message to me just as much as I'm preaching to you. So let's go ahead and be encouraged for two or three minutes. 
I want to use the word delight. It comes from the Bible. I'm going to start with the scripture and then I will flesh it out with you. Psalm 147, 11 says, the Lord delights in those who fear him, who put their hope in his unfailing love. Can I just tell you for a moment, this isn't, this isn't happy, clappy stuff. This isn't empty praise. This is the Bible. This is the word of God. God delights in you when you walk and spend your time in a way that shows you respect him. You respect his ownership of you. He delights in you right now. Some of you are listening. Oh, it's not an ego trip. You could throw me out. I came from prison. You could throw me back to prison. Pitch me in a dumpster. It's irrelevant to me. If God's word is being preached and you are actively listening right now, spending your time not thinking about uh, who's going to win the Super Bowl, but you are literally asking God to let the word become life to you and change you, that is a spiritual exercise and he is proud of you. He is delighting in you, dear Christian, right now for how you're spending your time. When you come home after a long day at work, And all you want to do is rest and relax and you see your spouse fatigued as well. And you say, Jesus, you have stretched from heaven to earth to help me. Can I please stretch for my wife or husband today? He is delighting in how you're spending your time. When you hear somebody at the church Invite you to consider a ministry to participate in. And at Lake, we get it done, don't we? No, it's not prayer. I'm not going to sell prayer. But we, we, we get after it for two, three, four hundred people. We get it done, don't we? We got people in Africa and Mexico and downtown the mission. We just going, aren't we? And, and you got your ready-made answer, don't you? Uh, yeah, I don't have the time. Don't you? Some of y'all are really good with that when it's in your right pocket. You just, you just, whoop, whoop. I don't got the time. And instead, you actually, or the other one, the, the other one's in the left pocket of the church narthex. They give them out, the little cards. Oh, I'm going to pray on it, but you're not really going to pray on it. You've ever been there? I know, I know. There are three people are laughing. Everybody else is like, dang, you got me. Uh, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm going to pray on it. You're not going to pray on it. What you just said religiously was, please get out of my face with that. I, do, I, don't want, I don't have the time. You want to pull the right pocket out. I don't have the time. I'll pray on it. No, but when you actually pray on it and you say, Jesus... I have the same 24 hours today that everybody else in the world does. How do you want me to use it? Because I recognize it doesn't belong to me, but to you. Do you want me to go and sit with six-year-olds telling me through broken English their Bible verses at six o'clock? I I don't want to. I mean, it doesn't sound like a, a, you know, a hoot and a holler to me personally, but I think it's a good ministry, but I don't, but I'll do it, Lord. You want me to go to two in the morning with John and roll down the, the hill in some sled and deal with teenagers and all their problems? You know what I'm saying? It doesn't, it doesn't sound like I've done it for years. So I'm kind of, I got teenagers. So, uh, we do that at home, but, but I'll pray. I'll do it if you want me to. You know why, Lord? I'll do it. Not because I'm a great youth pastor. Not because I can't wait to work at Awana, but because I recognize my time does not belong to me because there was this time I gave you my life. And that's exactly what you intended to take. Let's not get too mature. We miss the gospel. Don't get too seasoned in your faith that you forget he owns all your money. 
not just the 10%, and all your time, not just 43 minutes on Sermon Sunday. You give Jesus your life, that's exactly what he's going to take. And it's both comforting because I made a mess of my life and I don't know how to live it, but it's conflicting. So I just want you to know that you can be encouraged when you pray like that about ministry opportunities. In the community, when you're at New Seasons because you love their politics, that was a joke, don't fire me. Um, uh, you know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and, and, and you're, and you're, and you're going there, but you really do love their, you know, salmon or whatever they buy for $950 a pound. And you, and you're getting that. And, and, and you're, and you're, and you're, and your stomach's cringing because you don't like the politics. And literally, this is a literal example, literal. No. I can go to the new season eight minutes from here and I can go in the woman's bathroom. Isn't that crazy? That's just crazy. Okay. Am I, look, some of you are nervous. Some of you are excited. Is he going to leave the message and go for it? Go for it. Some of you are, is he going to leave the word and go for it? Uh, that's all I'm saying. It's crazy. But you're in there, and so your stomach is kind of tightening while you're getting your salmon, and you're rubbing, you, you know, the skin off your forehead, and you're like, man, I just don't like being here, but they serve good salmon. And, 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 then you, and then you say, you know what, Jesus? I remember how you left heaven and came to new seasons called earth where everybody, including me, didn't have the polit- politics of the kingdom of heaven. And so when I look the eye, I'm not even going to do that. Just added the self checkout. I'm actually going to not even do that right now. I'm going to go through the real checkout so I can look the person in the eye and smile because Jesus told me in that same sermon on the Mount to not just greet people who I liked or who greet me back. And I'm going to actually prepare. I'm going to pray in my mind and I'm going to actually ask how they're doing and mean it. Because that may be the only warm smile they got all day. And they may give you an answer that you can take to prayer at 430 in the morning. See, I'm tying these things together. God is delighted when you spend your time in the community like that. We all got to get salmon. Maybe you don't like fish. But but how do you go about getting your salmon? Well, I'm, I'm ahead of myself onto the conflict. But I just know you guys are in a hurry for that Super Bowl. So I'm trying to respect your time. Huh? But it's not yours. See, are you listening? Okay. You still listening? You still with me? Okay. Or here's another one since I've already alluded to it. We all love traffic, right? So how many times, to emphasize that word, if you can't get the message, we are talking about time. um, Have you sat in traffic and prayed for the people around you who you'll never meet? Yes, I know you have to commute to work. I do it all the time. (laughs) I'm on 217 more than I'd like to admit. It's a double my morning commute. That's why I get up really early to to miss the afternoon. 50 minutes to get home. I'm all, and they're, they're widening. I don't know. They're never going to fit more cars. I don't know what they're doing. But, but they just need me to control everything and it'll be just work better. But, but the, the point is, do you ever do that? Do you ever spend your time in traffic listening to a sermon or praying for your children or just grumbling and complaining? God's all our time. When you do that, you, 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 God the Father delights in you. He's proud of you. He said, that's my girl. That's my boy. Look at how they're spending their time as if they believe it belongs to me. Because it does. See, Jesus is never about funny business. He's never about poetry for poetry's sake. Oh, he'll give you a parable and twist your mind. 
but he's about your life being changed that you wouldn't live in the fallen reality only. Oh, we're in it. I know that. But that you would live in the kingdom of heaven while you walk in the fallen reality. Living, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Let me just describe that evil to you before we go on to the conflict, which I've kind of overlapped a little bit. What is the word evil to you? And no, we're not going to have just everybody raise their hands. But think about it for five and a half seconds, would you? When you think the days are evil, you hear that word. Redeem the time for the days are evil. What comes to your mind? Be honest. Fox News. Yep, got some headlines going through my mind. The graffiti you saw at the new place they just built. Some heinous, you know, whatever. Is that what you call it? Let me, let me, let me tell you, let's get biblical. We we are Lake Bible Church after all, are we not? What is the biblical definition for evil? It's real quite simple. A departure from God who is good. You ever done that? See, God is pure good. So anytime, oh, I'm just two inches away from him. Chances are you in the dark. See, evil isn't just those things that you don't do. Evil is a society, an ethos, a philosophical stance that says, we don't need God. We're our own God. You can read about it in Genesis 11. It's called the Tower of Babel. This is an allusion to the artificial intelligence, which is recreating that tabernacle or temple in your kid's mind and in your mind. Oh, yeah, I'm going there. I jumped from conflict to uh, confrontation, but I'll come back to conflict. The Tower of Babel was the human spirit unadulterated, undiluted, and Nimrod, who established it, was a mighty hunter before God, and he had the big muscles and the big spears, and he got the big bank account, and he says, we can do it without God. It is that ethos that lets you believe that you own your time. It is that ethos which makes you believe that you own your money. You own your life. Me and my wife chuckle with a sadness that people actually think that they had no control over how they came into this world. But when they die, they're going to call the shots. Do you realize that's a real thing? That is a real thing. The majority of people, you just put them door number one. When you die, it fades to black and you just, uh, your worm, your body is worm food. Door number two. When you die, you wake up and the euphoric ecstasy of your own imagination starts immediately. Door number three, I have no idea, but I know it won't be painful because if there is a God and he loves me right, then there's no such thing as pain. Door number four, shall I continue? We could go all the way across the, the platform. The majority of people live in an ethos which rejects God and therefore it is evil. The fact that boys are thinking they're girls and we got bathrooms... Uh, confusion in new seasons is just a byproduct of rejecting the king of reality. We shouldn't be so surprised. Oh, it's gross. Oh, it's unsettling. But I remember my chaplain once said this, don't be surprised when sinners sin. You can preach a whole message on that. Just don't be surprised when people live out their deep belief system. I deeply believe there's no God. I deeply believe I'll be able to call the shots when I die. I deeply believe I can own my time and I can own your time if I have enough wealth and have enough votes. 
Well, I'm not surprised when you when you're acting a fool. That's exactly that kind of belief will get you. So evil, back to the scripture, redeem the time for the days are filled with people who spend their life as if there's no God. You could insert that. Dear Christian, don't be one of those people. Don't slip into that way of managing your time. Now, the conflict, we already kind of alluded to it in a couple of couple of instances, is when you're at work, you have to be at work. You can't be, you know, we talked about in the Adult Bible Fellowship a week or two ago. Well, how do you pray without ceasing? I got to answer the phone at work. I mean, I'm, a, I'm you know, I'm a telecommunicator. I'm, I'm dealing with an app, you know, whatever. How do I pray without ceasing? That would be kind of awkward. We talked about never hanging up the phone. We talked about that the mindset, as Pastor Jim has said for over 33 years here, is that your first label at your job is that you're a Christian. That I recognize I'm a follower of Christ, that this job is a gift he's given me, but I'm giving it back to him and spending my time in the conflict. And yes, it's conflicting at times. You have to be focused on your job. You have to be a good worker. You have to do tasks that are not necessarily spiritual in nature. Yet while you're doing those tasks, you want to be checking in with your master regularly. Do you not? Is that how you work? Or do you get consumed by your work and push Jesus off to the side? This is my time. This is my boss's time. No, you only have actually one ultimate boss and it's Jesus Christ. Do you actually live like that? So when you're at home, I, I, I couldn't have preached this message before I got married. I'm dead serious to you. Could not have preached this message because I had too much control over my time. I could pray for two and a half hours. Pastor Jim's always razzing me. I got the candle out. He thinks I'm doing seances. I'm not. But, you know, I like a little candle. You know, maybe it's my mama took me to Catholic church when I was five. So maybe it's that. But but I, I like that, you know, it's quiet. Oh, it's clean too. Everything's just the way Dave like it. You know? And, and, and I could just, I could just swim in the ocean of God's presence. Isn't it wonderful? Yeah, it sounds real spiritual. I did in prison too. That wasn't such a great place, but I had a lot of time. The judge made sure of it. And so, yeah, you got that joke? Good. Look, you're still listening. We 35 minutes. Good, 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 good. We're still here. But I could not, I could not for the life of me conceive of being interrupted while I was praying. What do you mean you hungry? I fed you yesterday. This is prayer time. What do, you, what, 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 what do you mean there's a spider in your room? I'm, I'm getting ready to do something spiritual. What, what are you doing? Don't talk to me. I used to give them looks and they would be, they, they would think I was mad at for being alive in the house. They like, we live here too. I had a lot of growing to do because my, my time, oh yeah, I was giving it to the Lord in certain ways, but it had to be looked just like I wanted it to look. God says, son, you have to grow into these shoes. Your time does not belong to you. If I want you peeling the mango, peel the mango, but do it unto me. That's where the Colossian scripture comes in. Do all things heartily as unto the Lord. That's where the Ephesians 6 scripture says, do your work as you'll please in the Lord, not your boss so you can get the bonus. The way we spend our time in conflict, you understand I'm defining conflict is we're not in church. We don't have the Bible open. We're not going, all right, Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, which are all good things. But we can't live 168 hours a week doing that. There's a lot of other things that demand our attention, particularly if we have families. But you can learn how to be led by the Spirit while doing the dishes. 
That is something that is learnable. You can learn how to engage the conflict of the two realities. We're, we're not in heaven yet. Where you have your, it says in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. You know the word acknowledge? I used to think it meant tip your hat. Yeah, God, I see you. It means submit. It's this idea, I submit to you, Lord. So when everything's going crazy in my house on a Sunday morning, I'm not justified to get angry. I have to submit to God and say, Lord, my time is in your hands. I don't know what you want me to do here. These waffles are really, you know, just just bothering me. These kids demands. But what do you want me to do? Because when I preach to the people, they're not going to care if I had a monastery experience for three hours. They're going to want to make sure that I was living the sermon, that my time doesn't belong to me. And that's painful at times. Let's get on to the confrontation because I know you want to leave here. But you understand there's a, I, I want to, I want to encourage you. Dear Christian, God delights in you when you spend your time unto him. Dear Christian, there is a way through the Holy Spirit, through meditating on the word to spend your time in the conflict zones where you're acknowledging him while you're doing the mundane. And dear Christian, we're about to get into it for at least five, six minutes. There is a confrontation with this biblical truth that all your time is God's time and you don't have any business spending it the way you're spending it. Let's get into that. In 2012, I began community college at PCC Sylvania. I was in a writing class and they had me read an article that was written in 2008. It was entitled, Is Google Making Us Stupid? I'm going to repeat that because I know some of y'all is thinking about the Super Bowl. In 2008, there was an article written, and the title of the article was, Is Google Making Us Stupid? So our assignment was to read the article and engage in essay form. <clears throat> Embedded in the article was a quote from those two boys who dropped out of Stanford because they were so smart, and they're about my age, and they created Google. And they said unapologetically, our aim, our purpose is to create artificial intelligence. They don't want to create a search engine. They don't want to make $2.3 billion, which I'm sure they've already done. They have a goal in mind utilizing their time and their mind, and it is to create artificial intelligence. So I would posit to you now that there is a third reality morphing out of the, the first one. See, anything humans do is not really brand new. It's just a modification of what's already been done, Ecclesiastes said, with some new tech. But what is, what is, so you got the fallen reality, you got the redeemed reality, and then you got what? Come on now, you've been listening? The artificial reality. Let me, let's talk about that a little bit for just two or three minutes. Now, I know some of you are interested, some of you are bored, and some of you are concerned that my application is going to say, everybody get your iPhones out, everybody get your Samsung phones out, we're going to have a uh, smartphone burning party, and you think, man, that boy gone crazy, Adolf Hitler's all come back in, you, you're getting scared, Pastor Jim, get him up here, take him out. I, that's not where I'm about to go. I have a Samsung's over there. Um, uh, that's not where I'm about to go, so you can just, just exhale. Follow the train of thought now. I got the yellow light. I'm going to have to speak fast. 
You're like, that's new? But, okay, come on. So, we recognize that it's actually not a third reality. It's a new way of doing the Tower of Babel. That was done over 4,000 years ago with no internet connection. But what it's, the symptoms of it, the tentacles of it are becoming so pervasive globally where again, we go back to the conflict zone of how we spend our time. You, you have to be able to have some savviness on the web to survive. Don't you? Yeah, you, 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 you got to, you have to know how to do some things with phones and so forth to barely just eat. Don't you? So when you engage in this conflict zone, I want your mind to be sharp, your heart to be open to Jesus alone, and your time to be surrendered to him because all your time belongs to God when you're engaging in this artificial intelligence. And make no mistake, I am not an expert I do not attempt to be an expert. Many of you know more than me. So my uh, premise isn't filled with a bunch of statistics and facts. You just know it's real. You just know that it's true. In the last 1991, everybody got access to the internet, particularly those who are more wealthy. We're only, what, 32 years in? The world's changed how we interact. Come on now. I don't need to be an expert. I just need to pay attention. Now, let's talk about it a little bit. And my dear son, who I love so much, I hope he's tuning in. He's 12 years old. He was born in the womb of artificial intelligence and artificial reality. And this isn't against him. It's just where he's born. Artificial intelligence or reality versus God's reality. Man's reality versus God's reality. In artificial reality, you never die. You know, you can have as many lives as you want in those video games. So death is desensitized. In God's reality, it is it is appointed once for a man to die and then the judgment. In artificial reality, you don't have to wait. If you got a strong internet and good thumbs, you can get whatever you need. Tell me, son, just you do this motion. He says, well, I can get so much money if I just tap them thumbs real, real fast. I said, don't work like that for daddy. That's why I said no to so many things you asked for. I got to work long and hard to get that $20. And you know, the game, you just keep tapping it and the money just keep going. Or you change your skin. You don't have to wait. But in God's reality, you need to learn how to wait on the Lord well. He's not working on your time. He's working on his time. I'm going to go just a few minutes over, just a couple minutes. That isn't a joke. Just a couple minutes. In, in an artificial reality, you have as many type of lives as you want. You know, they call them avatars. You can reskin them. I can't even do the jargon. Teddy could come up and preach this portion of the message for me. But you, you could, you could switch them and change them and bop them and pop them and do all that. In, in, in God's reality, you have one life to live. And let me open with, let me, let me get ready to close with my opening statement. How you spend your time is how you spend your life and there are no refunds. That's a direct confrontation to the Google boys who are trying to create an artificial reality that takes all my time because what it's going to do is take all of my life. 
I'm going to look back and spend how many hours I spent on Facebook, on Twitter, on hashtag, on whatever tag, on, on games. And God is going to say, you did not, you lived like you didn't know me. And guess what? You stopped growing close to me because you lived like you didn't know me. The artificial reality have you feeling all the dopamine. They've done search study, research studies on this, which I won't quote because I haven't read. I just know they're out there. Dopamine drips come down your head. You get the lights and the whistles and the colors and the blue light. And it's all some euphoric experience. And then you come away from it and you're depressed. You can't have a conversation with people. You you, you don't know how to forgive because you don't even know how to fight. You you, you can't stand because you, you got bed sores at 13. You, you know, when they put them out of school for COVID, my kids didn't get to bed for nine months. Just Googling and doing all this. I'm telling you the artificial reality is taking something from us. Don't say that I'm an anti-tech fundamentalist. Don't say that I'm from the hillbillies that got coveralls. I can speak eloquently. We can go Google search Chrome if you want. Tech has its place. It's a tool. But if you're a Christian, do not be used by the tool. Use the tool. But do not be used by the tool because those boys who created it had something insidious in mind to take your life and you're going to wake up virtual goggles and all this. This is not, this is not fake make believe stuff. It's not science fiction. People do their relationships online and I met my beautiful wife online. So I'm not ha ha scoffing, but we have actual real marriage. You know, she's right there. You can touch her. No, for real, you can, I mean, not, not in an awkward way. You know, she, 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 she gave me big eyes. Hey, wait a minute now. But you, you can see her. She, you know, she right there. Flesh and bone. We have real conversations that are not mediated through Google. What, you, you have to, you have to be willing to engage in real life if you're going to be following the real Christ. Recognizing that your time is valuable how you spend it is how you spend your life and as i conclude i told you that i was going to give you an assurance you are i i got this from a brother that i i counsel and connect with so uh it was it was kind of born from that conversation you are not saved by how you spend your time this is the blessed assurance you are not saved by the fact that you only did 26.3 minutes today on the web or, or 2.4 hours. That's not how you're saved. But once you are saved, you will begin to spend your time differently. Because you recognize that certain things are just empty. I have the bread of life. I don't want the gaming bread. Because when you're really hungry... The internet can't feed you. I need some real bread that my wife makes in a real oven. And when you really need your soul to be comforted and saved, the gaming and artificial intelligence community has nothing to offer. You know, Google does not create a solution for death. They just tempt you to avoid and escape it through artificial life. Don't waste your time. Because when you do, you waste your life. And Jesus is coming back. Let us live like all our time belongs to God. Let us live 
like he cares how we spend it. Let us live like he's coming back today. Father, we just come before you and we pray in Jesus' name that this message would be real for all of us because it comes from your word. We would redeem the time that you have given us for none of us knows when we're going to exit this earth. But we all know we're going to meet you when we do. And you will take inventory of how we spent this precious time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. That message, that was a great message, reminds me of the, the illustration. I, some of you might have seen it um, online. Uh, the, it, great illustration with a, a rope I once saw a guy do where he had like 100 feet of rope going off the end of the stage. And, uh, and he had about six inches of it that was colored red just on the end. And, uh, and he said, if this portion represents your life and all the rest of that rope just going off into the, into the backstage or wherever, that represents eternity. And so many of us, we just live for this little six inches, you know, and some of us are working so hard just for this last little bit, this last inch after I retire, I'm going to really enjoy that last inch right there. But then we not, we don't live our lives for eternity. We don't live our lives in light of of uh, God and uh, what he has done for us and and uh, the eternity that we'll enjoy with him. And we're going to close with a song uh, based on Psalm 90, which just exactly ties in with that message. Um, and in that psalm, it says, Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, and they quickly pass and we fly away. And then it says, teach us to number our days.